0: Hello everybody, it's Alex once again from Remote Work Life. Thank you so much for for joining me. I have yet another special guest for you today. I have um, Diane Schwartz, who is the CEO of Reagan Communications. And Diane has a a very interesting story to tell in terms of uh, not only uh, what Reagan Communications does but also uh, her, her journey in terms of uh, becoming uh, CEO uh, of a remote CEO at that of Reagan Communications and Reagan Communications they specialize in media and, and, and training and one of the areas or one of the prime areas uh, of focus for them at the moment is is well-being and obviously well-being is a is a prime topic at the moment and it's a very important topic. It's been so for a long time but I think even more so now and especially now uh, that I suppose a lot of people uh, are new to remote and uh, especially managers managing their teams on a remote basis. I think well-being is an important topic that we should be discussing. So Diana, I want to thank you today for joining me uh, on the podcast and you're very welcome.
1: Hi, Alex. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Not at all. Diane, as I always do, um, I always like to find out about my guests rather than, you know, uh, say everything from my side of the the story. So tell us a bit more about you. How did you become? How did you come to be uh, CEO of, of Reagan Communications?
1: Yeah, um I joined Reagan Communications about a year and a half ago, and prior to that, I was running a media division at a, another media company, and I had an opportunity to join um, what was sort of a frenemy for many years oh, okay. in the space of communications. So um, I had worked on some brands that covered PR, marketing, digital, media, and communications, And, um, had always been very fond of Reagan communications for the community, the loyal community and the editorial coverage. And I love the whole area of communications and, um, so the opportunity to come on board a company and sort of in a new chapter in my life, in my, in my career, I have a journalism background, but in my career to run a company that's focused on a market that I love. And now, um, to branch out into some new markets like workplace wellness has been just such a, um, a treat for me, frankly. So, yeah, um, i am i basically came on board and less than six months later you know we had pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> and so running a company through all this uncertainty has certainly been um like five years one for me but it's been it's been exhilarating
0: no it's excellent and i think i can imagine uh well no i can't actually uh having to <laughs> to step into a, a new role as c e o uh in the midst of a of a pandemic uh I suppose what, what were your main challenges? Cause I mean, there's obviously lots of challenges if you're stepping into a CO position full stop. But if you're stepping yes. in, uh, in the midst of a pandemic, how, how, what challenges have you managed to, to overcome?
1: Yeah. Um, where do I begin? You know, <laughs> um, so I've always, you know, it was a triage situation, really. I mean, it's sort of like, what are the priorities? And that's always, I mean, we were in a crisis, really multiple crises between the pandemic and social justice issues, even in the election season. Um, so, you know, my whole team has been remote. Our whole community, everybody's lives turned upside down, the customers we serve, So the priority, number one, was our team and making sure that everyone was safe and that I, as the head of the company and my executive team, that we were communicating often and transparently and that we were very mindful of the products that we were providing to our community during this difficult time, um, helping them navigate this you know, really difficult time for most communicators and most of their companies and their employees. So really getting our team in place, our house in order, making sure everyone was safe. Everyone understood what their jobs were. Their jobs were changing before their very eyes. We went digital right away with everything that we did. Um, so we had to put a lot of things in place quickly. So remotely, you know, we were, we were, already a remote company, you know, probably half of our employees were already working from home at least, you know, 50% of the time. So we got into that group very easily, mm-hmm. the whole work from home, um, group. So that, that was an easy part of it. The hard part has been, you know, the isolation and that people feel the, the grind, the daily grind on the flip side. The positive has been the communicator within organizations has been key to helping organizations get through this crisis. It, you know, communicating the messages, helping executives communicate those messages, um, managing the brand, managing all the changes. So we've felt really good at Reagan about what we've done, how, how we've helped the community. So it's a good feeling
0: the same time no it sounds good and it, it sounds like i mean you're being used to working remotely is, is definitely an advantage but it's by no means you know a silver bullet because these are just totally alien circumstances to us all so yeah i, have, I admire you for uh yeah. taking that challenge on and uh you know it, it looks as though you've you're creating something that's not only just uh within your team but it's something that will also help to, to serve a, a wider audience because as, I mean, before we came on air, we were talking about the importance of, of, um, workplace wellbeing. And I think obviously that's at the forefront of your mind in terms of your own team. But, um, tell us, uh, how, uh, uh, Reagan Communications is, is shaping up to, to basically help others who are, you know, having those sorts of challenges.
1: Yeah, so we, as, as I noted, like we've been covering the communi- internal communication space, so employee communications, corporate culture, more from the communication side of things. But we had been seeing over the last couple of years that um, HR and communications, those two departments have been needing to work together, whether they do or not is a whole other thing. Um, but it has been accelerated by COVID-19, the pandemic and the crises that have come out of that. So the mental, mental health issues, physical health, social well-being, financial health. One of the biggest stressors has been, you know, financial well-being. And so all of these things have. Crashed into 2020 and become a real issue for almost every organization, large and small. So we we had been helping communicators to navigate this, but without the um, breaking down of the silos between HR and communications, you know, a company can really really can't navigate providing you know well-being offerings to their employees. So, we launched the Workplace Wellness Insider which is at reganwellness.com and we are helping HR, wellness, benefits, communications, executives and you know rising leaders to determine what are the best options for helping their employees be healthier, sort of bring their whole selves to work and their healthy selves to work um, you know generally you know healthy healthy workforce is a healthy company is kind of the the angle that that we are looking at this from, and there's a lot to unpack there I know, um, but we feel like. Wellness managers, HR directors, they need help in figuring out how do I really truly help my my employee be happy at work, be healthy at work, be safe at work and be productive at work.
0: Mm -hmm. No, certainly. And I think as well, before we, we, we got on the call, we we was, you were alluding to how that is, how wellness now is, is, um, it's it's so important. It always has been important. It's just that it hasn't been addressed in the way it is now. But the reason why it's it's it seems to be probably getting more of a spotlight now. Not just the situation, but it also be, has a direct impact on the on the bottom line. As again, you were alluding to before, it, uh, is that what you're seeing? I mean, what are you seeing that in terms of um uh, people are now t- taking up programs and and training? Because they, they have a realization, I guess, that, that it is affecting their bottom line.
1: Absolutely. I mean, some of it is, is, you know, bottom line oriented, but when you look at this year that we've been through and there are a lot of factors. I mean, for one, there is the feeling of isolation. So there's, you know, mental health issues that come out of that, that are very serious for organizations to deal with. And it's a very sensitive matter as well. So there's that there's the layoffs and the furloughs and the pay cuts that have impacted not only in employees finances, but their families, right. And what they can do. Um, there's physical, um, issues aside from those who unfortunately, you know, have been sick with, COVID-19. There are people who have been putting off going to the doctor, putting off surgeries. There's the intersectionality of, um, all the chronic diseases that employees have that are, I think in 2021 going to be a real issue for companies and their insurance plans mm-hmm. and the benefits that um, they're paying for. So, and then there's, you know, diversity and inclusion and equity and the, you know, back in May um, with the murder of george floyd then the social justice issues and company employees holding employers accountable for the the stands that they take and the safety that, that employees feel in the workplace so all of this has come together come to a head i guess in 2020 and we're going to see it play out in positive ways in 2021 you know there's gonna, there are a lot of trends already that we're seeing um that will have a positive impact on all of us as employees whether we're working from home or in the office um i think employers now see their number one customer is the employee if you know your employees aren't well it's likely your business is not going to be doing well
0: no yeah i can imagine and i think one of the trends i've been seeing quite a lot is like you said. um since May and the, the incident with, with George, George Floyd is, you know, a lot, lots of, lots of employers, you know, go literally falling over themselves to, to, to show that they're, you know, they're diverse. Is that also what you've been seeing? Have you been seeing, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, outpouring in terms of the, the diversity? You alluded to it just now, but. Is it something that's intrinsic where the wellness is concerned as well?
1: Absolutely. I mean that kind of that falls into sort of social well-being and safety, feeling safe at work, feeling included, feeling like you can bring your whole self to the workplace. One of the issues, and this is where communications really can play a role here, is one of the issues that Every brand, not every brand, but a lot of companies rush to make statements, Mm -hmm. you know, in the May through August time frame. And even now, you know, sort of taking a stand. And meanwhile, they they don't have their house in order, you know, and they have their own intrinsic problems internally. So we're seeing that. Now, um, organizations are recognizing that they need to bring in DEI officers. They need to bring in their communicators and wellness people. They need to bring them together into a room and, and set up programs where they're listening to employees. There are, you know, employee resource groups that larger companies tend to, um, that, you know, tend to, Launch within their companies, whether it's an employee resource group for their black employees, parents, mothers, um, you know, even book lovers or whatever to bring different groups together. But these are really important so that people feel a sense of community at work. And there are a lot of ideas that come out of that, too. So really listening, which costs nothing by the way, mm-hmm. um, you know, divert DEI, there needs to be investments made by companies on the financial front, but there needs to be time invested and just listening to employees in terms of hiring. We're going to see, you know, more diversity within the ranks of you know boards and the executive um, suite, you know, just in terms of, um, employees demanding that they're not going to work at companies that don't, do right by them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a big trend that we're seeing. And the communicator, um, you know, plays a pretty big role in getting that message out. And HR and wellness plays a pretty big role in, you know, like on the ground, like actually doing a lot of these executing a lot of these initiatives. So there's going to be a lot of positive, I think, in 2021, coming out of all that we learned this year on that front.
0: No, definitely. It certainly is a positive, but I think it's a question, again, it's a question that I've heard quite a lot, you know, a couple of panels I did as well. How do you actually communicate in such a way that it's genuine? I don't know if that is the the right word or it comes across as not necessarily jumping on a bandwagon. So you you become, I don't know, sometimes it kind of detracts from the actual message that you're trying to put across. If, If sometimes people feel as though, especially if you're outside of the company and you're applying to join a company, sometimes I, in, from the feedback I've got, it's, you it can feel as though, um, it's not, I don't think genuine is necessarily the right word, but it feels as though it's coming from a place of, of a knee jerk reaction sort of thing to the situation. How yeah. do you then, um, put that message across you know, across your various platforms, your website, your social um, so that it, it it it's a message that is well received, I suppose.
1: Well, f- you know, first the the CEO or you know the leaders in the company need to be bring their authentic selves to work and need to acknowledge the shortcomings that they may have, the unconscious biases that they and their team may have have, mean, um, just put it all out there. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, just like us as humans, you know, we appreciate when people um say they're sorry or admit, you know, their weaknesses and say that they're working on it. So I think that that's the first thing. Um And then, you know, if it's not on the leadership, then, you know, that that company's really got to think about who their leaders are and what they want to do there. But then it's just being consistent in the messaging and also being respectful of people's time. Um, and in terms of, I think people are just really tired, exhausted from this year. And there's DEI everywhere. I mean, those three letters are just (laughs) everywhere, all the place, all the time. And I think we need to just give people a break too and let them, you know, let them pick their platforms that they want to share and listen. And there's a lot of zoom fatigue. There's a lot of people, you know, the zoom intelligence, I think maybe like, you know, like the emotional um, intelligence, I think like zoom or video intelligence. I Mm -hmm. mean, forcing, I think we're, We're going to see fewer people, more people on phone calls Mm -hmm. and fewer on video calls. And not everyone wants to show up on video all the time. It may not make them feel comfortable. So I think we need to be sensitive. Um, Leaders need to be sensitive to the spaces that especially remote workers are working in. And, you know, when they want to be heard and by whom and just because they're a person of color doesn't mean that, you know, they need to be invited. They need to participate in every like DEI initiative Mm -hmm. in the company. So I think there's a there's um, a lot that we all need to learn. You know, we're figuring it out. And I think for the most part, companies or the people that run the companies mean well and are stumbling for sure. Um, but most have gotten back up and I think been pretty respectful and smart in their internal and external messages and have been putting their money where their mouth is. You know, like Bank of America, for example, I think committed at least a billion dollars to racial and economic um, injustices, you know, to, in terms of correcting this. Um, so I think companies that can are putting their um Putting some investments into this in their communities.
0: And, um, in terms of, uh, obviously there's, we talk about diversity, but there's other aspects as well. Like you, you mentioned isolation. How are you seeing, um, or what, what's the perspective of, uh, Reagan, Reagan Wellness on how managers can support, support their staff through situation through isolation and yeah, those sorts of situations.
1: Well, another trend that we're seeing is you know, there's the corporate headquarters, like the physical headquarters of a company, and then there's the digital headquarters, and that um, we've seen that for a while. With digital workplaces and intranets and different collaborative platforms that teams are working on, but I think we're going to see more and more people looking. At their screens as their digital headquarters mm-hmm. to get the information they need whenever they need it. So we're good. At, that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. I mean, it comes with video, so you can interact with people too. But mm-hmm. it's also just sort of a 24/7 headquarters for for people. Um, I think managers who are on the front, they are on the front lines with their teams and they need to be trained, you know, on communication skills and how to communicate with their ver- various, um, various demographics and different, pe- where different people are located. There are a lot of managers who have some employees who are working from home and some who are in the factory or out in the field mm-hmm. or in, you know, in a truck somewhere. So there's um, a lot of manager training and communication we're going to be seeing. Um, And I think just simple things that we can all do, you know, picking up the phone or setting up a zoom coffee, you know, to just ask people how they're doing. How are you today? Um, How can I help? Um, So the isolation, I think we see a light at the end of the tunnel with, you know, Isolation and people being able to get together sometime next year, mm-hmm. um, but companies, I think, understand that they need to be supportive and flexible with work hours and the um, time off and with family issues. And um, those are all trends we're going to see more and more of: more paid time off, more. Um, investment in apps like mindfulness apps, okay. class pass and things mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. that help employees be less isolated, even outside of work. Mm-hmm. And employers are going to be the ones paying for that rather than out of your pocket.
0: That's so always that's be- a good
1: thing too.
0: Right? No, it definitely is. And I think, um, yeah, it's going to be more responsive. I think there's more responsibility now, isn't there? Generally for em- employers to, to to look after that is basically what you're saying. There's more responsibility on employers to look after their their staff um, because not just because we're in an unusual situation. But I think to be part of a remote team means being part of the actual culture of that team and being vested in the culture of the team and getting people involved, getting your team involved, you know, thinking about things to help them feel as though they belong, like you were saying before as well. And trust is a massive thing as well, I guess, is, is I think personally, I think what will happen and I hope what that will happen is teams will become more, um, more sort of together, more closer and probably work more effectively and are able to, to work in different ways. Is that how you see things as well?
1: I do. I mean, I think people are hankering to collaborate in person. You know, I think we're going to see people wanting to come back in the office. And there's research that says the ideal is, you know, working from home two days a week and coming into the office three days. I think that is up for, you know, debate. I I think it really depends on the company. It could be all work from home culture or 100 percent in the office, although I doubt we're going to see any companies demanding, you know, 100% in the office for a lot of the jobs that, I mean, some require you to be in the office every day, but a lot of jobs in the knowledge economy, you know, do not require that. So I think, um, we're going to see the actual physical workspace change where when people do come into the office, it's more in collaborative spaces, Rather than in a cube, you know, hunkering down in a cubicle and, you know, then going home and having not talked to anyone that whole day. So I think that, you know, that's another positive change that's going to come. Um, you mentioned trust. And, um, I do think we, you know, we're living through this era of disinformation and misinformation. And it's hard to know for some people, like who to trust and, you know, if they you know, they have to trust their employer, they are counting on their employer, you know, to do right by them. And that's why wellness is so critical, because when you think about the areas that an employer can help an employee with who is spending eight to 10 to 12 hours a day with them, with that employer, it's an incredible responsibility um, for an employer. But. Employers can really make a difference in people's lives, especially as we come out of the stressful year, you know, and even younger employees, the younger generation have really missed out in this past year on the training, professional development, you know, mentoring that they need so much in the early parts of their career. So we're going to see a lot more training and upskilling of employees as, um, you know, the world accelerated, you know, by like five years or so because of this pandemic. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I can see that. And I, I think one, I suppose one bit of advice I can give to anybody who's listening is that lots of, you know, established remote companies, as I said, it's very different circumstances, but lots of established remote companies have a lot of good stuff that they do to support their employers, which, you know, those who are new to remote or at least not necessarily geared towards remote can, can, le- can learn from. But, um, yeah, I think one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Diane, is it, in terms of wellness programs, what does a good, in your eyes, what does a good wellness program look like?
1: Well, it does not look like a cookie, a cookie cutter. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> so, course. I mean, it's very much, um, you know, holistic program that is unique to that company and its employee culture and the needs of their employees. Um, but it covers all areas of wellness, you know, and it cuts. Co- so whether mental health, physical health, financial health, social, emotional, and that's a lot, right? That's a lot. And obviously, like the health care benefits, I kind of put that As a given, you know, the health insurance side Mm -hmm. of it, but you know, the, the well-being and allowing someone to bring their whole self to work again, a healthy whole self to work. They're mentally healthy. They're physically healthy. They're physically healthy. That's, um, you know, employers, their role as an employer is to improve their employees well-being. Employees are giving a lot to their employers and employers have to give back by providing, um, you know, resources for them, whether it is, it, you know, EO, the employee resource groups, whether it's apps, whether it is coaches, you know, substance abuse coaches or financial health coaches. It's listening um, listening meetings, which, you know, some of these things don't cost very much. Others are obviously a bigger investment and harder for smaller businesses to pull off. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, like social um, programs and contests and surveys, pulse surveys. All these things are part of that whole holistic approach to a wellness program. Mm-hmm. Um, they're no, it's not rocket science. You know, you listen, you, you survey your employees, you look at the data, which is really important. You can't just guess. You know, you have to use data here. Of course. You look at what the data is telling you. You listen to what your employees are telling you. You put those two together and you come up with the best plan that's not going to break the bank, but is going to improve your culture.
0: No, it sounds good. And just one of the I mean, Diane, what is, what are your plans then for uh, Reagan Communications, Reagan Wellness? What does 2021 look like for you?
1: Well, we're looking to, we just launched this brand at ReaganWellness.com and we have gotten our sea legs, we've spoken <laughs> to hundreds of wellness, managers and hr directors and communicators i've learned a lot in the last well the last six months really and we're looking forward to continuing to offer those blueprints for wellness programs we're going to be holding a couple conferences next year the first one will be virtual hopefully the second one in the fall will be like face-to-face we will see Mm -hmm. um research um we're going to be doing we have lots of um, professional development workshops and other things for our audience. We have an awards program honoring the best wellness campaign. So we're going to be immersing ourselves in this space. We're going to be watching this role of the wellness manager really take hold in mid to large size organizations and help them, you know, advance in their careers. So
0: Sounds exciting. Well, that's just a little bit of a just a little bit, yeah. It's just a little bit, but whatever mm-hmm. happens, Diane, I'd like to uh, keep in touch to inform the remote work life uh, community about what you're doing. So when your events come around, let us know, and we'll we'll share it amongst the community. And you know, all I wanted to say is thank you for for joining me today, and I wanted, really wanted to wish you all the best with uh, Reagan Wellness and Reagan Communications in general, and your 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 role as CEO as well.
1: Thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciate it. I wish you the best, too. Happy New Year.
0: Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)
1: And um, we'll talk to you soon, hopefully.
0: Hope so. I hope so.